This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Live, the Growing Up Rock podcast is doing their first all live stream on our own. Not to say that we won't be doing live streams with our friends from Potter and Hell and Shout It Out Loudcast, but hey, every once in a while, it's fun to break off and do something on our own. Hollywood, what's going on there, baby? Uh, just living the dream. As you can see, I'm supporting Roadie Strong because Hailstorm was out there uh, pimping that we want to help the roadies out. So got a little shirt there. Like I that? can't see it, man. All I can see is that big-ass Hollywood thing. Can't see it right there? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right. Right on. Very cool. <laughs> I'm pimping the topic. The topic of the night, the mighty Van Halen. That's going to be fun. That's going to be good. we got a good one tonight. So we're dealing with top five, David Lee Roth, the only Van Halen singer, and top oh, good five, Lord. Sammy Hagar. I can tell you he ain't the only one. Thank God. <laughs> Listen, they would have been successful either way. They were already successful with just Dave. So your boy got a shot and uh, that helped his career out. So it was all good. But you know, he start. didn't need the help, right? It looks like he did. I don't know. I think he. I think it probably helped his career in the long run, but we'll get into all that. <laughs> So we got a special guest here. We want to bring our special guest on to discuss the topics with us. And uh, who we got tonight here, Hollywood? Uh, Mr. Casada, Quesadilla. What, what else are we? Joey Licious. Uh, <laughs> the Italian Stallion. Yeah, the Italian Stallion. Do we have enough screen placed for his nose? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It looks rather regal, though, with, uh, yeah. with the bald eagle. We can put him next to the bald eagle to look fantastic. Let's yes. bring him on. See that pretty nose. Drummer, author, Joey Casada. Joey, what's going on there, buddy? Yo! What's up, boys? How are <laughs> oh you? Oh, my God. Look at that dude. Do some of that nose. Hold on. Turn, <laughs> Turn sideways. Let's get your profile. Oh, that is sideways. <laughs> hey, when you get that close up to the screen, you look a little bit like Razzle from Hanoi Rocks. That's all right. I'll take that. Just so you know, guys, when you introduce me, I prefer to be called the Rocky of rock and roll. Okay, get get with this. Oh, good lord! We were we were given instruction. We were given instruction by Eric Martin not to touch you. Uh, uh, talk to you about Rocky, Jesus, and what was the other one, Sonny? The the book. The book. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. If, if we're not talking about those, I'm going to sign off right now. See you later, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky Jesus and what was it? it wasn't the book it was Rocky Jesus and a couple other things Kiss. what, it was what Kiss. book what book are you referring to uh, yeah this one yes Joey oh look at this a matching yeah. pair <laughs> a matching pair where's uh, mine uh, Joey 
both of them put together is 5,923 pages. <laughs> I'm you sure Eric use- Martin had a lot to say about it. <laughs> hey, Joey, for, for guys like myself who don't actually read, is there an audio version for us? Yes, there is. There's an audio version out on iTunes and on Amazon Audible. I do the narration. Uh, Chris Jericho actually does a five-minute uh, forward of the book, and it's basically just five minutes of him ragging on my nose like everyone else does. Hey, would you be <laughs> would you be so kind as to like um, read us a passage from the book in that <laughs> Joey Casada voice? Read you a passage? Ooh, that's a, that's a that's a that's a real request here. Hold on. Hi, this um, is Joey. <laughs> let's see. Let's get a good one here. So there's a story in here. Basically, when I battle my my uh, principal from grammar school because my hair's too long, and we basically battle it out for about three years. And I've been I was suspended probably over thirty times in three years because my hair was actually too long. And the first time I was ever suspended, I got sent home by the principal. And you know, I was shitting my pants because I figured my mom was gonna hit me or yell at me or punish me, whatever it was. And when I told her the reason why I was suspended, my mom said to me, "You go back and tell that nun." Jesus had long hair. Why can't you? <laughs> nice. And did they? Uh, did you ever learn anything in that school? Yeah, I learned not not to cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> did it save you, or did rock and roll save you? Well, once I was done with that school, I was done with uh, Catholic school for the rest of my life. I figured if they need me to cut my hair, there's no way I, I'm doing it. I've had basically this hairstyle, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> since the, since the third grade. So, you know, I've, I've added some, maybe some highlights over the years, but, uh, this is basically did my same hairstyle since I was in third grade. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Do you use pert on that hair? I think it's actually Pantene I'm using right now. You know, with the, with the pandemic, it's tough to get good hair product right now. That's true. That is true. So I, Sonny's hair, uh, I can see is, uh, suffering from lack of good hair product. It's not suffering about? from helmet head. This is, this is a tea tree shampoo. And uh, the cheapest green gel you can find. That's what this is. Hey, hey, uh, Joey, have you ever tried to bounce a quarter off of Sonny's head? It's fantastic. <laughs> I know we can't bounce it off his stomach, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. damn, you had to go there. <laughs> you went to my nose. I'm going to your tummy, my friend. That's a quarter that disappears forever. <laughs> that quarter's Ooh. never coming back. <laughs> damn, that's rough. <laughs> We're starting early. We're starting early. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, Joey, just to clear this up now, your book isn't only about your lifelong love affair with Kiss, right? It's about other rock and roll stuff. Absolutely. It's really, it's it's a growing up tale in the 80s. If you grew up in the 80s and you're a music fan, a musician, anything like that, the whole first half of the book is really a tale about a kid growing up in the 80s and, you know, how he found out about a new record and he would run to the mall and get his new record at the, at Sam Goody or the local record store or finding out about the new concert in the in the new Hit Parader magazine. It's really a tale about growing up in the 80s and being a really big music fan and a really big wrestling fan. And then the second half of the book is really more about my career and all the things that I did in my career, whether it was touring with Kiss, playing with uh, Sammy Hagar, who we'll get into later, scorpions bands like that and then finally doing a tv show called z-rock on ifc and then ultimately ending up on broadway so the first half of the book literally is all about growing up rock it really is it's the perfect perfect book for this podcast because like i said it really is about growing up a fanatic of bands and music and Mm -hmm. just starting off with a dream when i was five years old seeing kiss at madison square garden knowing that there was nothing else I could possibly think about doing for the rest of my life than being on that stage one day. And it just follows my pursuit of that dream throughout 
like Sonny would say, about 20,000 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so the first half, the first half is only 2,500 pages and the second half is another 20,000. Don't listen to Sonny. If you get the hardcover, there's hardcovers available at Bonds and Nobles. The hardcover is actually only 399 pages. The soft cover, which is, you know, filled with tons and tons of photos and stuff like that. It's, you know, a little over 400 pages. So it's an easy read. It's a fast read. It's spaced out for, you know, people like Sonny who have trouble seeing, you know, in his old age. So it's it's a really fun read. Oh, well, that that Eric Martin, you can't believe him then. He said only the Bible was bigger. <laughs> well, Eric, Eric Martin is blind as a bat, too. So I sent him over the giant font copy. And that was the that was the copy he's referring to. <laughs> I make a lot of fun of the book. To be honest, it is an easy read. And uh, listening to your voice at twice the speed on audiobook is rather um, <laughs> inviting. It still took about 30 days to get to the audiobook, but it was a really easy listen. I've never tried to listen to me at double speed or a time and a half. I got to try that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're here all about Van Halen. We're here to share our love of Van Halen, the Sammy Hagar years and the David Lee Roth years. And we're going to go run down our top five of both Sammy and Dave. But to start off with, let's start with the history uh, that you have with Van Halen. Sonny, you want to start with you? What's your history with Van Halen? Yeah, so I'm an MTV kid. So uh, the videos that I, was, that I was seeing were all from 1984. And I was already a Sammy Hagar fan because I'm a Bay Area kid. And uh, when Sammy joined... Van Halen, I was super happy. And then when they released OU812, I was actually working in electronics. And I remember putting that album out going, man, I can't wait to listen to this thing. So I, I, I'm more, I come in at Sammy, honestly. And then I have to go backwards. So I have more love for Sammy than I do for Dave. That's just how it is. That being said, I'm supporting the, the old, the Sammy logo there. There it is right there on the pin there. And then I got, you know, the old logo on a necklace today. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, helping both guys out there. So have you seen all versions of the band or have you just seen one, two? What, how many times have you seen the band live? I've seen the band live nine to 10 times and all but one were with Sammy and one was with Sharon. So I missed the cool in the gang, David Lee Ross show. Yes, I did miss that show. So it was a thousand dollars to sit in New York when you're in San Francisco to see it. Yes. <laughs> all right. How about you, Joey? I mean, I've been a Van Halen fan for as long as I can remember. I grew up, you know, I was born in the early 70s. So by the time Van Halen 1 came out, I, I really wasn't, you know, into music yet. It wasn't until 79 when I went to see Kiss that I really started getting into music. And then, you know, it took me a few more years after that to kind of start listening to other bands because I was so obsessed with Kiss and stuff. So it wasn't until probably like when Sonny said around the MTV 1984 years that I really started to understand this band. And then of course, when you see the videos like Panama and jump and hot for teacher on MTV, I immediately go back and listen to all the old back catalogs, starting with Van Halen one Van Halen one was, you know, a Bible to me growing up. It was one of my favorite records of all time. It still is one of my favorite records of all time. So, you know, that was really my introduction to Van Halen, the visual party band of, the, of, you know, the hot for teacher video was, Whoa, what is going on? You know, I was 12 years old at the time. I think, and no, I wasn't even 12. I was 10 years old at the time. And, you know, that was the world to us back then. You know, we had a teacher that was kind of pretty at the time. And we were always talking about singing hot for teacher in class and stuff like that. So we were really, really into the band because it just was all about partying. 
and then later on, you know, when Sammy, I never got to see the original band live. I saw the 5150 tour with Sammy Hagar. Then I got to see Dave a couple times more on the reunion tour. Really? Jerry, how, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 46. And you never saw the original version, huh? No, I mean, well, they were, what was the last year they toured? 84, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was only 10 years old. So, you know, I went to see Kiss at Madison Square Garden when I was five years old. But after that, I didn't see another concert. I went to see the Animalize tour, which was 1985. So I really just just missed out on seeing Dave. It was right right before that. Like I got to see Eden and Smile tour and stuff like that with Dave, but I never got to see Van Halen. Right. Have you ever met any of those guys? Yeah, I mean a couple of funny stories. We got to play we op- uh, my band ZO2 opened for Sammy Hagar a couple times. And we did a big show with Sammy and the Scorpions out in San Francisco. And I think it was the first time we played with them. And Sammy came back being Sammy Gave me a bottle of Cabo Wabo. I still have it in my bar right now, un- unopened. We hung out with Michael Anthony all night long, drinking whiskeys and stuff. So super, super cool guys. I had never met them up until that point. Sammy was great. Michael Anthony was amazing. A funny story with David Lee Roth, my old TV show called Z-Rock. There was an episode that David Lee Roth was scheduled to film with us. So we were filming at Mohegan Sun in Atlantic City. And the end of the episode basically had Joan Rivers, who was one of the co-stars of our show, walking out of David Lee Roth's dressing room and kind of, you know, wiping her mouth. (laughs) And, you know, that's what we wind up wound up filming. But the the scene actually called for a whole scene with us, Dave and Joan Rivers in his dressing room. And it just turned out the day of the shooting, they were so behind schedule with the concert and stuff like that. And, you know, who knows what goes on behind the scenes. But Dave had to cancel last minute. But again, we still got to film in his dressing room that night. We saw him live at the show that night. We were running through Atlantic City because we were, we caught the end of their set. We got to hang out backstage just for a few minutes with them. So it was a really fun time. Really great guys. Eddie was great. Dave was great. Everyone was great. Yeah. Hey, Sonny, did you have you met uh, Sammy Hagar? I have. I met him at a uh, birthday show because I went to a birthday show in Kabul one year. Just a um, quick handshake nice type thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice guy. Yeah. Hey, uh, Joey, when was the show with uh, Sammy and Scorpions in San Francisco? I might have been at that show. I'm going to say it was maybe 2009, 2008, 2009, somewhere around that time. I don't know. I don't remember the exact date, but I'm going to guess around that area because our TV show was still on the air. And the promoter booked us on a couple shows with them because he was such a big fan of our show. And so I'm assuming that it was still on the air. I'm going to guess somewhere between 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah, I was probably at that show. That's cool. Yeah, it might not um, have been in San Francisco proper. It might have been yeah, like near, one of the outskirts. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So my experience with Van Halen, I've talked about it on the show very, very many times. For what this <coughs> is to you guys, Van Halen is to me. They're probably my favorite band of all time. They were the band that really kind of catapulted me into hard rock and metal. They were the first real concert that I ever saw live. I saw Van Halen on the Diver Down tour. Uh, in 1982. And the funny thing is, is that just recently when I was kind of looking on YouTube for like concert commercials and stuff like that, I actually dug up the concert commercial for the show that I was at in Mobile. So that was really interesting. Of course, I downloaded that and kept that because that's kind of cool. That'll rear its head on an episode of the Grown Up Rock podcast at some point. I've never met any of those guys and at this point, probably wouldn't really want to. But 
<laughs> I, just, I mean, why? They, just out of curiosity, why? Just afraid that it won't live up to expectations? Yeah, I, I've heard some scary stories kind of about at least about Dave and Eddie and even Alex. And I just don't. Yeah, at this point, I think it would probably, you know, be a bummer for me. Uh, but for me to say that I wouldn't love to like sit down with Eddie Van Halen and interview him, of course I would, you know, uh, just, I mean, they're just, they meant so much to me as a kid. I came in on the fair warning record. Uh, I spent the summer basically with a friend of mine and we, you know, we used to hang out at his house. He had a pool in the backyard and we would basically play like wiffle ball all summer long. And he had just gotten the fair warning album because it came out, I think, in May or June of, of that summer. And he dropped the needle on Mean Street, and I was just like, oh, hell yeah. And, I mean, I had heard other Van Halen songs. Like, I'd heard You Really Got Me and some of the stuff that was on uh, FM radio at the time. But this was the first record that I really got to consume front to back. And, I mean, seeing them live for my first concert, I think I bought every piece of merchandise that was there. I <laughs> saved up. I saved up for what seemed like about a year. It was the first concert that my parents let me go to with friends uh, because it was an hour away from where we lived. And, uh, you know, the the scene of being I was probably three rows back off the stage from Eddie Van Halen. And it was uh, general admission uh, floor and just the scene of, you know, the house lights going off and the house light or the spotlight hitting Eddie for the intro of Romeo's Delight. And Dave does the roundhouse kick over Eddie's head. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, How old was, were you at the time? Uh, 83. That, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have been 16, I think. 15, wow, 16, great. somewhere in there, yeah. Uh, I got to see him again in 84 on the, on the 84 tour. Uh, but yeah, nothing ever had the impact that that concert had on me. So that's my experience with Van Halen. I've been a, you know, a fan pretty much ever since. Um, and really, I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit later. I, I had, um, I hated Sammy, uh, basically because when Van Halen broke up, I, you know, I didn't want to have anything to do with any replacements at that point in time. So, uh, I hated Sammy, but as I got older, I've softened my blow there, and we'll talk about that a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> as time goes on. But you want to get into this? Should we start with the David Lee Roth era, Van Halen? <coughs> sure. So it. we're doing top five, right? Yeah, we're doing top five David Lee Roth songs uh, with Van Halen. So uh, let's let our guest, Joey, uh, start us off there. So we're going to do one at a time, go around number of fives each? Uh, sure. We didn't really talk about it, but that sound good, Sonny? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So my number my it's again, this is so hard to pick five songs. You know what I mean? So and it's it's hard to not, you know, the the fanboy in me doesn't want to pick the hits, you know what I mean? The popular overplayed song. Just like if I'm on a KISS podcast, you don't want to pick rock and roll all night, but sometimes it's hard to stay away from those songs. You don't want to forget some of those songs just because you want to be the cool guy and pick, you know, the you know, B sides of everything, but you know, I, I'll start out with, it's not so, so much of a hit, but it's one of, to me, the greatest riffs of all time. Mean street. Um, mean streets. It, it's, it's just such a great song. I got the, the honor of playing that, believe it or not live. I I'm in the uh, Jim Brewer band with the comedian Jim Brewer with mm -hmm. Steve Brown and PJ Farley from trickster. And 
we did like a, believe it or not, a, like a 35 minute version of Mean Streets. Yeah. And there's like a crazy 16th note pattern going on the, the whole time. And it's as Jim Brewer's like telling childhood stories. And then we would break back into the chorus. So it was just such a great experience playing that song live in front of a big audience. It's so powerful. And the, again, the, I can't say enough about the guitars and, and, the, and the drums in that song. Incredible. I, I don't know if Eddie's guitar tone-wise has ever sounded better than that riff. I mean, his, riff, his tone just sounds so damn good on that song. I absolutely <laughs> oh. love it. Sonny? All right. So the way I approached this was <clears throat> I went to Spotify and listened to all the albums front to back. And just started <laughs> liking what I liked and threw it into a playlist. And just by happenstance, it ended up being 27 David Lee Ross songs oh, and 28 Christ. Sammy songs. That's how it ended up being. It ended up wow. almost being even split, right? So then it's like, you know, how do you kind of uh, get it down to five or ten? For me, I didn't care whether they were hits or not. I don't care what the album they're on. One thing that Sammy has that Dave doesn't have when he's writing with Van Halen is all of it has like this chorus and hook where the the original six doesn't always have that. Some of it is a little weird and kind of turns me off. So um, so all of my five are songs you absolutely heard before, but my number five is Unchained. And just, it's a catchy tune. I mean, it's one of those courses you can't get out of your head, even though it's very, very simple. Number five, huh? <laughs> yep. I mean, guys, listen, I mean, I can't imagine one of us picking a song where the others are like, oh, what an idiot. That song is oh, terrible. Don't worry. It's coming. It's I mean, coming. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely coming. coming. Okay, I'm curious to see. Let's see. <laughs> It'll happen mostly on the Sammy stuff, but it's coming. <laughs> all right. So the way I approach this is the same way I approach almost all these top five episodes that we do, which is it's top five at the time. And I go through songs and I try not to pick the singles and the hits. Uh, but uh, I think in this particular episode, I have a little of both. But my number five comes from an, an idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. See, I'm just going to start right out of the gate. I don't even know what the song is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> number five Number five for me is uh, comes off uh, the Diver Down album, which is an album that gets a lot of flack because of the cover songs and stuff like that. But this record has some really, really good stuff on it. And uh, a song that's near and dear to me that I absolutely love is Full Bug. I think that is Ooh. a kick-ass song. So Full Bug off the Diver Down record at number five for me. I that think didn't that even I make I, my top 27. I think okay. that record is such an underrated record. I think, like you said, so many people think of it as a throwaway because of the cover songs. Mm. Oh, that was their cover record. What a great record. I actually just listened to that today outside just by the pool and stuff. It is a killer, killer record. I think Secrets may be one of their best kind of, if you want to, it's not really a ballad, but it is like sort of definitely a pop tune for them. And Secrets is such a great song off that record. Right. I agree. Sonny, you want to chime in on some comments that are happening? Yeah. Jack Broad agreed with the Secrets thing. Uh, Steve Wright says if somebody picks women in love, he's hanging up and maybe run into traffic. Um, <laughs> a lot of people like the Unchained thing. Um, let's see. Uh, Matt Rustoven. I didn't even know there was a Matt Rustoven. Says uh, Diver pro- Down is solid. Yeah. So, uh, so far, they like our picks. All right, back to you, Joey. You're number four. 
So again, so my so for my number four, it was impossible for me to stay away from the standards, the hits. You know, I always I could have just picked everything off of Van Halen one, but I didn't. I I tried to, like you said before, uh, that I you just want to kind of pick what's the top five at the moment. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. Every week is different. So you know, one song that's always a constant, and I know it's been played to death, but ain't talking about love is just one of the greatest songs of all time. It the riff. The songs, the hooks, the production, everything about it, especially because when I hear that song, I immediately think of Van Halen 1. And that brings me into that world of that whole record. So when I hear Ain't Talking About Love, whether it's a cover band playing it or I'm playing, I probably played that song 200 times live before. It's such a great song. I didn't want to leave it off my list just because, ah, that's the easy pick. So my, my number four is Ain't Talking About Love. Sweet. Never a bad song. How about you, Poonie? Uh, I went with one of the first non-1984 songs I heard from uh, David Lee Roth, and uh, that was after I got the 1984 record and was going backwards, VH1 was the one that I picked up first, which, well, it's a diamond record. That's a lot of people, right? So my number four was Running With The Devil. It's just, you know, there's, it's the riff. It's where VH1 is, okay, you guys can send your hate mail, to me is where David sounds his best, right? That, that for some reason, the voice is still raw, but um, it fits the music where later the music's getting a little more polished and David's voice maybe not fitting as well to my ears. Uh, but yeah, Running With The Devil was my number two or yeah. number four. Yeah. Well, I think it's expected that you're going to be kind of dumb and not full with knowledge on this episode, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wait, hold on, if hold on. Count on your knowledge, we're in Listen. big trouble. I will never defend Sonny. I hate him. To, I hate his guts. But <laughs> in this in this case, how can you give him flack for running with the devil? I mean, it's the first song. Joey, Joey, this is very easy. I know you're new to the game. It's really easy. No matter how right Sonny is, and you're absolutely right. How can you go wrong with running with the devil? But it's Sonny. It's Sonny. <laughs> Do you want to be bouncing quarters off that helmet head all night long? Seriously? <laughs> People are talking about throwing rolls of quarters at my head. That's not nice. <laughs> you got to, can you go closer to the camera? I got to see that thing up close. What? The helmet head? The hair, not anything else. <laughs> Look at me. He doesn't even know where the camera is. You see that? He Jesus. looks like a wise guy. <laughs> All right. I've had the same hairstyle. I don't know how long. I don't care. All right. So to my number four, uh, my number four, you guys heard me talk about how impactful this song was uh, the first time I saw Van Halen live. So my number four comes off of women and children first. This is Romeo's delight for me. Woo! Kick ass song. Love it. Uh, and it was awesome live and it's awesome on album. So off of women and children first, Romeo's delight. One of my favorite lines ever. I'm taking whiskey to the party tonight and I'm looking for somebody to squeeze. I mean, it's, it doesn't get more Dave, more Van Halen than that. It's, it sums up everything that I love about Van Halen. Yeah, it's a big backyard barbecue, right? Absolutely. So you can't go wrong. And I'll just say up front, it was way tougher for me. And this is no slide on Sammy. It just is how it is. I came in on the David Lee Roth era of Van Halen. And it was way harder for me to streamline five songs versus uh, five songs for Sammy. I had, I probably started with a list of almost 30 songs and I had to go back and forth and I was playing one song next to the other song and just kind of 
uh, stripping it down. But there's tons of songs that I left off my list that literally I could change out with any of the songs that I'm going to read off my top five easily almost. Uh, my top one and two are pretty solid top one and two for me, but uh, definitely there's a lot of stuff that got left off my list and that's just the way it is. So I mean, same here. I mean, obviously, same here. My, my list could have been easily, maybe not number one, but everything else probably could have been interchanged with 12, 10, 12 other songs. Yeah, I'm I'm reading your comments, Casada. You're only talking to one idiot. He's in the middle. <laughs> what? I, I, someone must have hacked my account. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, uh, on to our number three. Or uh, Sonny, you want to uh, talk about some uh, comments from the watchers? Yeah, yeah. Grayson Gallego said, "Ain't talking about my love. Uh, ain't talking about oh, love." It's my favorite ah. song. That was a Freudian slip there. Yeah. Let's see. I'm the one is the pick off of VH1. VH1. Uh, Bill wants to now run into traffic. Steve Wright wants to tell you there's no S in Romeo Delight. Don't you worry about that, Steve Wright. There's hey, there's a, there's whatever S's I want in it, Righty. Steve, here yeah. we go. You. Uh, <laughs> uh, light up the sky has to be in the mix. Jack says. Uh, for some reason, Brad said he loved Steven's pick. He obviously, somebody hacked into his account too. Um, Curt- Curtis Lankos is right. Uh, Dave always forgets the words to Romeo's delight. He's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, people are still looking at it, still liking our pick so far. All right. Joe's turn. So again, my number three, it's, you know, I pick songs for different reasons. Sometimes it's the hook. Sometimes it's, it's the feeling that I get when I hear the song. Sometimes, you know, with Van Halen, it's the drum part and just the overall groove of the song. And my, num- my number, th- what is it, number three now? We're up yeah, to three, number right? three, yeah. My number three pick is Sinner Swing. It just has the ultimate drum, guitar, bass part. I mean, it, it's such a groove, such a swing. It's, it's undeniable. And, you know, maybe the chorus is not the best chorus in the whole world, but, you know, like Sonny said earlier, early Van Halen's choruses weren't the hooks. Sometimes it was the guitar riff. Sometimes it was just the overall chemistry between Alex and Eddie going and, you know, Michael Anthony just chugging on those eighth notes or, you know, the high harmonies, whatever it was. It always had something different. And Sinner's Swing really had something different. It's one of my favorite songs to ever play live. I I covered it a couple times with a couple bands. And it's just the ultimate Van Halen uh, swing and riff and, you know, just feel. Yeah. And as a drummer, Joey, can you say there is not a more identifiable snare drum than Alex Van Halen, is there? It's funny you should mention that. I, I know his his tech very well. And I actually just texted him today and I wanted to get more info on his actual snare setup because I've heard so many counter opinions on what it is. Obviously, Alex plays Ludwig and He's a Ludwig guy, and every, you know everyone thinks it's you know either the John Bonham Superphonic snare drum or the Black Beauty snare drum. But I've read over the years that he actually plays a Tama snare drum on all his records, and that's the that's the undeniable snare you hear on all those records. I'm trying to get confirmation of that. I haven't gotten it yet. I was hoping to get it before tonight, but you're so right. It's one of the greatest snare sounds ever. And it's mainly because it is so identifiable with Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought maybe early on, probably Ted Templeman had a lot to do with that sound. Uh, it continued through all the albums, but he also has it live. So it's just, I mean, when you hear it, you know it's Alex. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you know, it's, oh, it's not always about this drum and, and the tuning. It's about Alex, too. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if I or someone else goes and plays Alex's kit, it, the snare drum doesn't sound like that. Mm-hmm. It's the attack. It's the same way someone could pick up Eddie's guitar and his rig, and it will sound nothing like Eddie's tone. No. It's his fingers and his attack that does it. Yeah, agreed. How about you, Sonny? What's your number three? All three of the songs I have left, there's a, uh, a different connection to them. So when somebody says Van Halen, the first chorus melody that pops in my head is my number three song. When somebody says Van Halen, the first guitar riff that pops into my head is my number two song. And the first visual that pops in my head is my number one song. So the first chorus melody that pops in my head when somebody says David Lee Roth, Van Halen is Beautiful Girls. And for some reason, that thing like rings around in my head and I'll be humming it all day if I hear the song. There's something about it, right? And it's it's those songs. And I got a feeling that most of the songs I like, Sammy would do well. And then most of the songs I probably don't like, Sammy wouldn't probably do well. But Joey said something interesting about uh, Eddie that got me thinking. You have to realize that by the time that I start appreciating what Eddie is doing, I've already heard Paul Gilbert, Michael Sweet, Steve Vai, Ingve Malmsteen. So Eddie didn't do for me what he did with for other people in 78, 88, 182 as people are going, what the hell is that? I've already seen the next, not level, but but similar to that already. I've already seen the copycats, I guess you could say, right, that are trying to take but, it to the next level. But are you, are you trying to say the copycats, you, you don't find Eddie as impressive because of those because of that? I don't, I don't know. What are, you, what are you getting at? I, I think what just he didn't have the same feeling for right. me. It right? wasn't that, oh, my God, wow factor. Right. Because I'd already heard it. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I think that's reasonable. I mean, it's uh, the impact is worn off. He's seen every other guitar player in Hollywood pull the tapping stuff by the time uh, he gets into music. So the impact is different for him. I totally understand what he's saying. It sounds stupid. I get it. Right. But by the time I'm seeing Eddie finger tap, I've already seen Jeff Watson do it with eight fingers. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Funny story. I had just, I'm a big uh, <laughs> autograph fan, the band autograph. And I had posted oh, yeah. something, I had posted something last week uh, about the band and their guitar player had commented, Steve Lynch. And he's, he's, you know, one of those tapping guys. And he told the story on my, on my Facebook page, how I think he was on, I think they were opening for Van Halen on the 84 tour. Is that yes. right? Yes. So they opened for Van Halen on the 1984 tour and Van Halen's manager actually came to him and told him he's not allowed to do any finger tapping the whole tour. Really? Is that great? Yeah. True story. Wow. Crazy, right? Wow. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> that is. All right. So my number three, um, first of all, is there, back to Sonny's number three, is there a better summer song than Beautiful Girls? Nothing says summer like Beautiful Girls to me. Well, I have one later that's better, but I'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I love that one. That That one says instant summer to me. I love that song. It almost made my list, but... Number three for me comes off that very same record, Van Halen 2. And I went back and forth between Beautiful Girls and this song. But at the end, I just felt like this song was one of Van Halen's pop masterpieces. And that's Dance the Night Away. Everything about this song is just so damn good. The course, the verses, Eddie's uh, harmonic tapping technique that uh, he does not only during the courses, but in the breakdown of like the solo section. It's amazing because that stuff in 79, that stuff wasn't being done. 
It just wasn't being done. So this song to me is just masterful. I love Dance the Night Away. And that's my number three. I mean, undeniable song, of course. Great song. It's funny. I'm actually um, music directing a show, a Van Halen show at School of Rock right now. You know, of, of course, with the pandemic, it's it's the show is actually on hold, but we still do lessons virtually online all week. And we're doing, you know, recordings of the songs we were going to do as a performance. And Dance the Night Away is one of them. And you don't realize, first of all, these kids are such amazing players already. They're all young kids. We're, we're doing a Van Halen show. Picture young kids covering Van Halen. So these kids are nailing it and dance the night away. You, people don't realize what the, the choruses and the harmonies and the high, the high stuff Michael Anthony's doing. All of that stuff is so underrated because there's such great layering by, by Templeman that you don't, even, you don't even realize what's going on in, in some of those songs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lots of love for beautiful girls, for sure. Uh, let's see. Love autograph. Oh, lots of Steve Lynch love. Oh my God. Yeah. Between baby. Robert and Grayson and Tony and oh my God, the people. And I guess Lynch claimed that he invented the technique. I don't know. I, well, I don't know about um, that. It's neither one of them <laughs> invented it. If you read books, uh, Eddie had a friend, yeah. uh, which I, I can't recall the friend's name, but the guy was like a jazz guitar player or something. And actually, uh, he, he did it before Eddie even did it. I mean, you could Curtis, look online, you oh. could see clips of, of like, old blues guys doing it on acoustic yeah. guitars and yeah. stuff like that. It's, it's been around yeah. for years. Eddie just brought it mainstream and his tone, you know, brought it to a new level. Yeah. Agreed. And Curtis said something about dance. The night away was originally named dance Lolita dance. Is that true? I don't know. It may have been it must I, be on the internet. I, it may have been, Hey, I trust Curtis. Curtis is a pretty knowledgeable guy. He does research and writes a blog. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what I that so, is. Does, so does Sonny, right? So does Sonny. So that's, you know, credibility. Yeah, yeah, that don't mean nothing. Sonny yeah. doesn't have credibility. He has a uh, helmet head. <laughs> I don't have credibility because the partner I got. <laughs> Whoa. Nice. That's <laughs> one for Sonny. <laughs> oh my God. All right. We ready to move on to the number two. I'm really looking forward to Joey's number two. I'm not looking forward to your number two, but I am really looking forward <laughs> My to number Joey's. two is great. So, so again, lo looking back at this list, it's funny how I didn't know I loved Diver Down as much as I did until we start, you know, until I started researching for this podcast. And, you know, when I went back and listened to more stuff, one of my favorite Van Halen songs of all time and probably my favorite snare sound of all time is Little Guitars. And that's my number two. Little Guitars is, is, is not only a phenomenal song, it's production-wise, it's, to me, a perfect song. The drum sound is out of this world. That snare drum in the beginning, boom, boom, bop, boom, 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 bop, bop. It's just, it's so signature Alex Van Halen. You know, obviously, I'm biased because I'm a drummer, but, you know, that song is such an underrated song. I very rarely hear, when you started with, with a Diver Down song before, I thought you were going to go there. And I was glad you didn't because I was saving this one. No one ever talks about this song. And it's one of those songs that I think everyone should go listen to pre-immediately right now. Put it on right now, when, right in the background as you're listening to us. It's such a great song. I love Little Guitars. Little Guitars is another song that is <laughs> Van Halen is so good at disguising pop gems. And that's another one that I think is just so great. Uh, I have a vivid memory of that Diver Down tour that I saw where Eddie plays the miniature Les Paul on that song, yeah. right? He plays the, yep. the little guitar. And it's just, I mean, yeah, I love little guitars. Easily could have made my list. Very nice, very nice. Uh, my number two, 
like I said, the first guitar riff that enters my mind when somebody says, basically Van Halen, period, doesn't matter if it's Hagar or if it's Roth or really Sharon even, um, the first riff that comes to my head is Ain't Talking About Love. Every time. Like that, that, that riff is one of the best riffs in rock history, in my opinion. And that's the one that I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good, right? It's coming off <laughs> yeah, that first album. It's like, oh, this guy's pretty, pretty good, good too. Yeah, he's pretty good. Because you got to remember the songs, I'm, the songs I'm getting into are very keyboard heavy, right? By the time I'm getting to Van Halen, it's about the keyboard and the vocal melody, not really his guitar playing because people are not over it, but they already know all that, and I'm just discovering all that, right? So it's it's just like Paul says, it's where you get off the elevator for Kiss even. It's the same thing with Van Halen. It's wherever you get on or off. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, my number two uh, goes to Van Halen 1. So Van Halen 1 for me is literally a perfect record from start to finish. I don't think there's, I, agree. I don't think there's a bad song on it. However, there are definitely songs for me on Van Halen 1 that are burned out, right? Ain't Talking About Love, fantastic song, but I'm a little burned on it. Uh, Jamie's Crying, same thing, love it but Little Burn, Running With The Devil, another one. But one song to me that is not quite burned out for me personally uh, is my number two song, and that's I'm The One. I absolutely love I'm The One. I'm The One kicks so much ass. That riff, that tone, the guitar, everything about it, the vocals, the harmonies, I love it. I'm The One, number two for me. Again, killer song, killer drum riff, killer guitar riff. You know, you can't go wrong with any of these songs. You really can't. I mean, they're all great, especially, like you said, Van Halen 1 really is a perfect record. How many records did that sell now? It's That's certified diamond, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's upwards near 15 million or something like that, right? It's, it's just a perfect record, not only because of the year that it came out, but the, the innovativeness of the record, of the songs, of the guitar playing, of the uh, that party atmosphere. I really believe, and people can argue with me, Van Halen 1 is the start of that, fun 80s you want if you want to call it hair metal we will but it's that fun 80s rock metal that's the beginning of all of that i think yeah no doubt yeah i'm with you i agree with that no doubt at all lots of love for little guitars uh people love that pick holy cow i i got a one of my it guys one of my it directors watching hey todd don't shut us down man uh, brad said don't forget hang them high uh then there was some fight between joey and billy and uh <laughs> <laughs> that well, that, that fight looks like it goes on a while. Uh, there's some people that say they never liked running with the devil. I'm surprised about that. But okay. yeah. Idiots. <laughs> hey, everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> All right, Joey, you're number one. DLR pick. This is the song where I is the one song I probably won't interchange. Like I said, the other four could probably interchange weekly for me. There's so many great Van Halen songs. But to me, when I think of Van Halen, I think of fun. I think a party and, you know, I, again, it's always first impression that means so much to us growing up in the eighties, growing up as music fans. When I saw the video for hot for teacher, I lost my mind. When I heard the intro, the drum intro for hot for teacher, I lost my freaking mind. And the rest of the song continued to blow my mind. It's, it's easily number one for me in the David Lee Roth era. It just summarizes to me. I know it's a big hit and I know it's overplayed, but every time that song comes on, if you turn it off, you are an absolute moron because the song is nonstop fun from the beginning to the end. Musicianship, drumming, guitar, bass, vocals, lyrics, 
everything about it is to me the epitome of what Van Halen is. Video wise, music wise, production wise, everything about it is Van Halen. Well, let's get this straight, Joey. Did you lose your mind or did you blow your mind? Which is it? Because <laughs> I'm confused. If, it, if there's a possibility of doing both, I did both. <laughs> Make up your mind, for God's sakes. <laughs> Have you, dude, do you see that video when, you know, again, when I was, when that video came out, I was 10, 11 years old, and those kids in that video were right around my age. And me and my friends just pictured ourselves in that video, you know, turning into Van Halen. And like I said, we had a really hot teacher at the time. So it was like the perfect storm. It was, it was, we were living inside of that video. I actually had heard that was your audition for Z Rock and that you were Waldo. Is that not true? <laughs> Listen, Sonny's more of a Waldo than me. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. They were talking directly to me. <laughs> Sit down, Waldo. Sit down, Sit down Poonie. Poonie. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So <laughs> being an MTV kid, if it wasn't for this song, I wouldn't have gotten into Van Halen at all. And I absolutely hate everything about Joey Casada, but I have the same number one pick. Hot for teacher, Ooh. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Licious picked a good one there. I got to I got to give that one to you. Tony riding the, my coattails again. Oh, the everything from the video to the matching suits to the you know sit down Waldo to I got my pencil like it, just that video. I could watch that thing on repeat and it would never get old. It's perfect. Love it. You forget the part that's also fun where they where we learn what they went off and did, right? Dave became a oh, game yeah, yeah, show yeah. host. That was big in the movies. Yeah. That was big in the movies at that time. Yeah. yeah. So great. What a great you're so right. That ending yeah. is great. With Eddie and in the insane asylum, it's great. Fifty one fifty, right? Yes. It's, it's hard it's hard to believe when you watch that video that they break up, what, six months afterwards? Yeah, it wasn't long. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. They seem like they're having so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I love Hot for Teacher, uh, but it for me it's one of those tunes that might be a little bit on the overplayed side right now for me. But it's a great song, and I completely understand uh, how you guys would pick that as your number ones with the video and everything else. For my number one, I talked about it a little bit earlier in terms of impactful albums to me, and that was Fair Warning. Uh, Fair Warning is a really, really important album, especially during that summer uh, that I hung out with this friend of mine. And it's a little bit overplayed, but I never get sick of it. And that's Unchained. I absolutely love the riff in Unchained. It's undeniable. And that song is my number one David Lee Roth song off of Fair Warning. I, I, I can't get enough of that tune. Love it. Again, I can't argue with you. It was on my list. It was off my list. It was on my list. It was off my list. It's, you know, it's one of those songs that, you know, ask me next week. It might be my number three and number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this these lists would have been interesting. We wouldn't have had time to do it. But if we would have had to do a top 20, I think you get a lot of different songs in there. You'd have to mix sure. both probably. But uh, yeah, on uh, for the listeners, uh, people love this video. And I think when I ask people what one of their favorite videos are, usually this one ends up at least in the top three. There's no doubt uh, for a rocker anyway. Uh, Drop Dead Legs. People love Drop Dead Legs. <laughs> Give me something I can write on, man. Yeah, that's true. Did I see Steel Panther do Hot for Teacher with Nuno on drums? Did you Have you seen that video? I don't know. I don't think so. Really? It came out really good, too. I think Crazy. it might have been on one of the Monsters of Rock. 
videos. Well, Ralph, not Ralph positive, is the, he's a huge Van Halen fan, right? He's a like a Van Halen yeah. fanatic, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve Wright says the Michael Anthony kid is in the vi- that's in the video is the two dollar kid from the Better Off Dead movie. Really? No way. Is that really the kid? I guess. Where's my two dollars? Yeah, yeah. That's great. I had no idea. No idea. What a great movie! I got to watch that tonight. And then people love that movie. So there was a lot of talk about that. But uh, yeah, a lot of love for DLR for sure. No doubt. Now comes the hate. Now that we switch, now comes the hate. Let me uh, bring up my pin again there with a, a good logo there. You want to just real quick go through your list uh, and just uh, count them down five through one? Well, I got everybody's. So Joey had uh, five through one. Mean Street, Ain't Talking About Love, Center Swing, Little Guitars, Hot for Teacher. Mine was Unchanged, Running with the, Running with the Devil, Beautiful Girls, Ain't Talking About Love, Hot for Teacher. And then Stevens was Full Bug, Romeo Delight, Dance the Night Away, I'm the One, and Unchained. I love all three lists. I love two of those three lists. Two of those three lists are really good. Actually, 2.3 of the three lists. <laughs> Which songs do you not like on my list? I'm curious. Uh, full Bug and Romeo Delight. Oh, Romeo and Delight's a great song, dude. I'm not a big fan of Mean Street either. To be honest. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. It didn't make my top 27. Jesus Christ. I mean, that, <laughs> you see, you get my point? Yeah, he's a, he's a half an idiot. I mean. <laughs> oh, I'm only half an idiot. Half an idiot. I, you're gonna, I have a feeling the other half is coming soon. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's split this. This 300 pounds <laughs> is half an idiot. This 300 pounds is not yet. There's nothing oh, more that I can say than this. I mean, this pretty much <laughs> says it all. <laughs> The uh, thoughts and consents of Sonny Hollywood Pooney does not reflect the Grown Up Rock podcast or Joey Casada or Stephen Michael. Uh, we're sorry. <laughs> I'd like a refund on this Bible. Whoa, whoa. <clears throat> I, Can I get I a refund get, on that? Didn't you get a free copy, you cheap bastard? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you bastard. <laughs> All right. It's time to go on to this part. Hello, babe. I, I like that preference. It's time to go on to, oh, my God, this part. Uh, <laughs> I think so, it's but, safe to say it did things for Sammy's career. There's absolutely no doubt. It did things for Van Halen. Van Halen does not make it through the 80s without Sammy either. It was a good marriage at the time. There's been very few bands that we can name that had a replacement singer that did just as well or better. Whether you agree with me or not, who's better, blah, 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 whatever. Right, I can't. Um, I can't think of one. Can you think of one band that's done just as well? I mean, Black Sabbath did fine with Dio. Not as. I mean, they probably weren't as big. ACDC. ACDC. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, good one. Well, let me let me ask this question: Do you think that if Van Halen would have had somebody other than Sammy, would they have had success? They were talking about some really weird choices in replacement singers i mean Patty Patty Smythe Smythe. Smythe. and immediately one album done yeah and i like patty Smythe. yeah patty Smythe. we know who else we know well we know eric martin right we know mitch malloy supposedly mitch malloy i I mean and i think at one point in time they were talking to nuno bentoncourt's ex-wife the singer in baby animals i know they liked her quite a bit but i can't remember whether that was after Sammy or after Dave, I can't remember which one that she came, and I don't know her name. With Sammy, you get let, let's say you get a no name, right? And Patty Smythe is not a no name, but reality is Scandal wasn't huge, 
right? So Patty Smythe would have been somewhat of a no name. Some of these other folks would have been no names mostly, right? Mm -hmm. So then the reaction you get is who the hell is this person trying to imitate or replace David Lee Roth, right? At least with Sammy, you got to wait a second. They got that guy. Isn't that the guy that did, I can't drive 55. At least they knew the guy. Yeah. Right. And I think that helped. I, I think at the end of the day, it's not about who replaced him. It's about the material that they released after they were, they, the person was replaced. Obviously back in black came out, you know, for Brian Johnson and he replaced Bon Scott. If back in black, the album sucked, it's not about the singer that replaced him. It's about the material. So I think it wasn't just about Sammy Hagar replacing Dave. It was about the strength of the songs on 5150. That's what made it a success. Well, I hear what you're saying, but reality is, is that if a new singer comes in and the material sucks, case in point, Gary Sharon, they're still going to blame it on the new singer. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm not going to blame it on the of material. Course. Yeah. For me, I hated Sammy as the choice because all I can remember as a kid, the adult person believes in what you just said, Joey. But as a kid, I hated it because my favorite band is breaking up and in and they're getting the replacement that Dave was going back and forth in the media while he was still in Van Halen. Sammy and Dave used to have a war of words while Dave was still in Van Halen. They used to go back and forth, bitching at each other. And so to me, it was like an ultimate betrayal because I was like, how can Van Halen get this enemy of the band in the band? What the hell, you know? So uh, I hated it at first. Uh, I was totally against it, but that was the kid and me uh, with their favorite band breaking up. I mean, to me, it's funny. You know, I think Sonny can relate to this. Being really big Kiss fans, you have so many different eras of Kiss. You have obviously the original era of Kiss in the 70s, and then you have this weird, you know, early 80s era. And then you have the unmasked 80s era of Kiss, which... You know, I kind of relate to these two eras of, of Van Halen. I kind of relate the David Lee Roth era to Kiss's makeup era. And then I relate Sammy's era to Kiss's 80s, you know, non-makeup era. They're so, to me, again, you know, I don't know, your, your opinions I'm not sure of yet, but my opinion is they're both so great for different reasons. They're completely different animals. Just like you're not going to hear, you know, Crazy Nights or Reason to Live played by the early kiss it's a different band kiss songs like she and a hundred thousand years were these primal 70s blues songs whereas they you know they turned into this poppy 80s band but in their own right just as good and i feel like that's what happened with sammy's era of van halen they were no longer this party crazy band drinking even though you know even though they were of course but their songs didn't dictate that anymore it wasn't this hot for teacher fun video it was why can't this be love and it was different in its own right so you know i'm at the age where i could still appreciate sammy because i wasn't so so into dave at the time that i couldn't figure out a way to appreciate sammy much like i could appreciate 80s kiss in the same way so i think for people who hate the sammy era of van halen I think you got to think of it as two different entities. Mm. Don't, th- don't think of it as Sammy replaced Dave. Think of it as it's a new band. And I know people call it Van Hagar. And it really should be called Van Hagar because it really is a different entity completely. It's a totally different band. And luckily, you know, we still got David Lee Roth's Van Halen with Edom and Smile because that's what Edom and Smile was. It, it was basically Van Halen at the time. 
Yeah, and Jason Kearney brings up a great point, which is we're talking a lot about how they replaced Dave with Sammy and that changed Van Halen. But at the same time, they also really, Eddie changed his sound overall. More keyboards, oh, yeah. more keyboards came into the picture, but Eddie's guitar sound, that guitar sound that was so identifiable on those first, let's say five records. Uh, I'll exclude 84 because even in 84, it started to change a little change. bit, but you know, it changed. I mean, his guitar sound for sure changed uh, along with the singer and the style of song. So, and then Ted Templeman uh, was on his way out as well. Enter uh, Don Landy, right? You know, I, I think that you know the sound was dictated because of the songs. You know, I'm a firm believer of that. If they're, you know, if they're writing That's crazy fair. songs again, you know. There are songs on, on 5150 that are more Van Halen-esque, you know, 19, 1984 Van Halen-esque, you know, and, and there are songs on 1984 that are more Sammy-esque with the keyboard-driven stuff and even songs like I'll Wait and whatever it is. But I think sound is dictated by the material. Yeah. And as, as the material got more melodic and more song-oriented and more chorus-oriented, I think even Alex is playing, Eddie's playing, everything kind of merged with Sammy's songwriting and they just became a different band. It wasn't so much that his sound and tone changed. I think it was that more that it had to change for the songs. Yeah. Well, let's get into this top five. Let's uh, run them down. Um, Joey, let's start with you again. You're our guest. So, you know, Sammy's era is to me a great, great era. Is it better than Dave? I don't know. Again, like I said, it, to me, it's different. I don't consider either one of them better than the other. Dave's era had, everything that you could think of for a party band, Van Halen band, but Sammy's era had undeniable hooks. And I'm, you know, as a musician and a songwriter and stuff, I'm all about hooks and melody and stuff like that, as well as party and musicianship, but it's a different era of the band. So 5150 is probably in my top two Van Halen albums of all time. So, you know, my list is going to be very 5150. So the first, my number five is the song 5150. You know, the summer of, you know, I think it was summer of 86 it was released. So it was really that whole album to me. Just I remember, I think I was in sixth grade. I was 12 years old. I just remember it so vividly playing 50, 5150 record over and over again. And then, of course, Eat Him and Smile comes out later that summer. And you hear stuff like Yankee Rose, I think was the first single. And, you know, you're comparing the two, but they're, they're not comparable. They're different. So 5150, I think, would be my first Sammy Sammy song that I would have to go to. I love that song. That song just barely missed my list. In <laughs> fact, I went I went back and forth with that song and another um, song as well. Uh, so great choice. I love that song. Bill was talking about something I wanted to mention anyway. You know, he says, I ran, ironically, Sammy can do the Dave era songs, but Dave can't do Sammy. I agree and disagree. Yes, he can sing them. He can't sell them. Dave can't sing the Sammy songs. Absolutely agreed. Sammy can't sell the Dave songs. I think that's the same problem in ACDC. It's the same problem in some of these bands, like the new uh, singers that are in these grunge bands can't sell some of the old stuff that was saying like this. Paul couldn't sell Gene songs. I mean, they're just yep. something that the singer connects to the song that you can't replace. Mm -hmm. It just can't be done. I mean, those, again, you, apples and oranges, you, those early Dave songs, Sammy can't sell them because he doesn't have Dave's swagger. 
Yeah. He can't, he can't sell them. He's a vocalist where Dave is a front man. Dave is a, is a yeah. showman. Dave is a storyteller. And the opposite effect happens when if Dave, I, I don't think Dave has Dave ever tried to sing, sing a Sammy song. I don't think so. No, right. No way. And no I, it just wouldn't work. Dave is not that kind of singer. They just don't mesh together. Yeah. It, I believe it or not. I don't want to hear Sammy sing Dave songs. I know you want to hear Panama and ain't talking about love when you saw Van Halen in the nineties, but I didn't want to see that. I didn't no. want to see that era. Agreed. I know people wanted to see it, but, I'll take a full Sammy concert and a full Dave concert any day. I don't want them meshing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, that being said, my number five, my wife is not much of a rocker. Beautiful wife. She's a wonderful person. But uh, she's not really into rock. But she has one Van Halen song that she absolutely loves. And it's my number five because I absolutely love it too. And that's right now. That song, that video, that thing's got lasting power like 1999 does. If people just pick it up and use it, you could use it right now and it could be part of the pandemic song, right? It's just, I'm surprised it's not getting used that way, to be honest with you. And I don't know who's in the way of doing that, but I remember when I first heard 1999, I'm like, oh my God, this song is going to be the party song for the next <laughs> 16 years, right? When it came out. And I was thinking the same thing about right now. I'm like, anything happens on the planet, this song's going to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming. And I'm surprised it's not back and on the charts right now, to be honest. Wow, you are you hit it right on the head. I didn't think about that, but you're so right. I wonder if they just don't go to it because Sammy's on the outs. They just don't. They bury those songs right now. You idiots! They will now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great song. I love it as well. Um, no doubt about it. That's a very um, that's a very poignant song for sure. Uh, my number five. Uh, I'm going to start off with the record that uh, was towards the end of the Sammy era. And I don't, I don't know how this record is thought of with Van Halen fans, but I personally think it has a lot of great stuff and that's the balance record. Uh, I think there's some really good stuff. I also think there's some throwaway stuff on balance, but for me, the lead off track seventh seal on balance is a really cool tune and I like it a lot. So that's my number five is seventh seal off the balance record. Very again, like it, like a diver down. I think that's a very forgotten record. I, I agree. That's a really good record and people don't think of it because, you know, I think with the Sammy era, you think of for unlawful kind of knowledge and you think of 5150 with, you know, with a little OU812 in there also, but people forget about balance. Yeah. How about you, Hollywood? What's your thoughts on that record? I like Balance. Seventh Seal drags me a little bit. Drags. Um, um, yeah, yeah. There's some songs later on that I like a little bit more. I think the reason Balance didn't do well is it just does not feel like those guys are very cohesive by the time it gets there. And now that we know the stories, we know they weren't. Right? Mm -hmm. And the, the songs feel a little bit forced. Where, the you know, the one right before it, which I've got some songs off that, obviously, uh, was it seemed like the bang zone of possibly, I love 5150, but for carnal no, uh, lawful knowledge, seems like it was the best of Sammy and Van Halen together, right? Because all of those songs absolutely kill. Where uh, uh, OU812 is a little rough, I get it. Uh, but 5150, I love that record too. But um, it's interesting. It's starting. It's a, somebody, uh, Curtis says, right now, Sonny and Steven are planning their next podcast. And I thought it was going to start. <laughs> like, right now, I'm hanging up. Right now is a great discussion. Right now, Somebody should do something about these damn picks. Right now, we should talk about Gary Sharon. We could do this all day. <laughs> it's too easy. It's way too easy. <laughs> all right, let's get to number fours. So again, I'll lead off with number four. My number four, this was the song that 
introduced me to Sammy. It was the, their first single. I think it was their first single. Why can't this be love? It just, when I heard it, I was like, whoa, this is Van Halen. I, you know, and I was, and I was kind of skeptical too. I was like, oh, David Lee Roth left Van Halen. And, you know, you just saw just the gigolo and you saw all that stuff and you saw the party atmosphere of him solo. You were like, well, what the hell is this band going to be like without Dave? And you saw Sammy with like his weird surfer, you know, high haircut with the curls on top of his head. He looked so weird. I was like, what? The? And I remember that, you know, I can't drive 55 and a little bit of Montrose back then, but I didn't, wasn't that familiar with Sammy. So, you know, when I was, when I first heard this song back on with the radio, you know, back when you had to listen to the radio to hear new songs, I was blown away. I loved everything about it. The production, the intro, and, you know, pleasantly surprised that, oh, what's this? Van Halen has hooks and a catchy, singable chorus. And that's really what gravitated me towards the song. It was the first, really, maybe the first Van Halen song that I was, it was really singable all the way through. When you first heard that song, had you recently been neutered or? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Really? You're hating on the hits. Why? Here's my thought on that song the first time I heard it. And this just being honest is that that was the first song I heard with Sammy after the fact. And yes, I had, you know, I wasn't happy because the band broke up, but I really dislike that cheesy slidey keyboard thing at the beginning. It just sounds really cheesy to me. And I just, I just don't dig it at all. Uh, now that being said, over time, I've softened my blow on that song, but I, when I heard that song, I did not like it. I, there's something about that keyboard sound at the beginning. That's just really cheesy. I don't like that song all that much, but it's cool. You do you boo. <laughs> I couldn't disagree more. I think the intro to that song is innovative. I think that keyboard sound is nothing like you've heard before or after. I think it's a really cool intro. Obviously, of course, would I rather hear a great Eddie riff? Of course I would. Of course everyone would. But that keyboard intro had something different about it and immediately drew me in. And again, the chorus is undeniable to me. Okay, well, obviously you wouldn't rather hear uh, Eddie riff because you couldn't find one in all them Sammy records to put it at your number four. Wow. I'm just saying. Wow. I, listen, Don't worry. I, See, this is why he has no friends. Everybody else loves that song. He hates it. That's why he's got no friends. Listen, everybody else doesn't love that song. People are going to chime in and tell you that everybody doesn't love it. Let's see the comments. Sonny, give me the yeah. comments. Are they loving me and they, are they loving this song? More importantly, are they loving me? There we go. Not a fan. <laughs> oh good Lord. not a fan hate to agree with me but i do yes I uh, notice they hate to agree with you yes they do but they do that's agree. where i that's where i would pull <laughs> it's all right we love who we love it's all good all right well my number four pick isn't going to make this any better although when it's love why can't this be love love walks in it gets all of the i guess power ballad ballad love the dream is over is actually just as good, if not better, than those songs. And it's probably less of a power ballad than some of those songs are. But I'm telling you, that album is unbelievable. And The Dream is Over, I'd listen to it on repeat if I could. That thing is, that song is incredible to me. And I don't care what you think, Stephen, because I don't care what you think. Because <laughs> I don't care what you think. I don't even know what that song is. It doesn't even register on my uh, listen. Wow. That song. Can we just hang up a third of us? That song is oh, wait, awful. He's on the control. Yes. But that song is not awful. That song is not awful. What about you, Joey? How do you feel about that song? I, I agree. I, Sonny, I think it's a great song. I, again, it's comparing apples to oranges. You're not comparing The Dream Is Over to 
you know, singer swing, sinner swing. So it, they're, it's a different animal. If they're different bands, you have to take yourself away from Dave's uh, Van Halen to appreciate these songs, not in a bad way, in a good way, in a more poppy songwriter way, in a, in a more commercial way. It's a different band. And, you know, luckily I'm, I'm knowledgeable enough. Obviously, you know, some of us aren't knowledgeable enough to be, be able to do that. <laughs> so, you know, I like to think of myself as someone that that's well-rounded that likes can like Dave Van Halen and also like Sammy Van Halen. It's not about liking one or the other or who's the best. You you can like both. It's allowed. It is allowed. Uh, I preach that from day one. You, you don't have to like one or the other. You can like both. And uh, I happen to like both, but not necessarily that song. Uh, and so that's, that's okay. Uh, Sonny can like what he likes. So that brings me to my number four. And my number four... Uh, the other thing is I approached both these top five lists where I wanted to give a little bit of love off a different record. So I don't think I picked, I don't think I picked two songs off the same record. I think I, I skipped around a little bit and gave a little bit of love to as much as I could. My number four comes off of OU812 and I love the groove in black and blue. So that's my number four. The groove in that tune is nasty and I dig it. So off of OU812, Black and Blue. Uh, to me, again, another great song. It's a, That's another underrated record for me. It's Obviously, it's not 5150. It wasn't a tremendous follow-up, but it was still... Was that still a number one record? I don't remember. It might have oh, still yeah. been number one, right? So, yeah. you know, you can't deny that they were still a giant band at this point, you know, releasing number one records. So OU812, of course, is it, is it as strong as 5150? To me, it's not. But... There is a lot of underrated stuff on that, and I think that's a that's a song that is underrated. I think what hurts OU812, truthfully, is really the production. The production is a little off on that record. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Uh, I think even the drums, I think they went a little a little overboard with the electronics and a little over-processed. Who's the producer of that record? I don't, I don't Landy, know who the producer is. Don Landy, is. yeah. Yeah, I, I think they went too much the other way. They went too much pop on that record, pr- production-wise. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and the songs aren't as good. There's half the record's really good. Half of what half is left is okay. And then there's like two or three unlistenable songs. And I think that that doesn't help the situation. I don't know if there's anything unlistenable, but I do agree with you. The songwriting is not as good. But uh, I also agree with Joey. There are some gems on that record that I like quite a bit. So, yeah, if you don't think anything's unlistenable on that, go back and listen to AA Political Blues. And a source of infection, and you'll agree with it's me. Not, they're not unlistenable. <laughs> they are unlistenable. No, unlistenable, not. they're skippable. How about we call it? They're skippable. Fair, fair. Okay, on to our number three, Joey. So my number three again. Like I said, I'm I'm gonna be heavy on the fifty one fifty record, but this song is on a different record. This is off of uh for unlawful kind of knowledge. This is top of the world. Again, I, I think they were just firing on all cylinders on this record production wise was the opposite of OU812. Now they went a little bit more back to their roots, a little bit more back to rock and roll production, live drum sound rather than that process drum sound. Everything got a little bit more heavy and thick and and they were just to me back at uh, you know firing on all cylinders. And you know the hits on that album are undeniable. I think there's so many big songs whether it's right now or top of the world or run around or any of these songs, top of the world is just one of those songs that always sticks out for me. And just like the Dave era, I can be interchanging these songs. I could have easily picked right now. It's actually crazy if you think about it, guys. 
we're we almost didn't repeat any songs the three of us isn't that sick mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting. only maybe what was what was repeated hot for teacher i think was repeated almost nothing else and right unchained that, i think and that unchained. was the only other one that's and and that just shows you the strength of their catalog i think mm-hmm. and, and and a song like top of the world i almost had right now there but top of the world to me is just a little bit more hooky right now is is more preachy and the video is great yes i agree but top of the world to me was just more of a hooky song yeah, Top of the World is a pop gem. If you don't find yourself humming that one, then there's something wrong with you. That almost made my list as well. Unlawful Carnal Knowledge Record is really a strong album. It's it's really close to being my, my favorite Sammy record uh, with Van Halen. I like that record a lot. I saw them on that tour, and I, I just I love that record quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I love that record, but my next pick is coming off of 5150 because I love 5150 also. And 5150 is a desert island album for me. And that song, Good Enough, there's something about it. It doesn't have the same um, poppy, top 40 hit maker type chorus, right? It's got a little more groove and just a touch of funk to it that uh, the vocal melody makes me very, very happy. And uh, there's something about Sammy keeps saying, good, good, good. I, I don't know what it is, but it's uh, catchy to my ear. So uh, that's my number three. Cool. Yeah, I love that song. Great pick. Uh, again, I don't think, j- to me, just like Van Halen won, there, there's no stinkers on 5150. 5150 is solid top to bottom. It's it, it might be one of my Desert Island picks as well, Sonny. Great record. All right. So my number uh, three uh, comes off the... For Uncarnal Knowledge Record, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge Record. And I went back and forth with Top of the World and Pound Cake, but at the end, I really love Run Around. I think Run Around is awesome. Uh, and great course, great hook, great solo. Love Run Around. That's my number three. That Again, just missed I, my top five. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. Again, like I said, I could have easily interchanged Top of the World with Run Around or Right Now. So, it's amazing, and I don't know. I'm not changing anything on the fly. I don't know if you guys are. My list is printed. I'm not changing one song. It's crazy no. that we're not overlapping. I love it. Yeah, I'm not changing anything either. It is what it is. We'll have we'll have an overlap in this uh, in this list, but that's all right. I guarantee yeah. nobody will have my number one because I'm the oh. the live stream will stop when really? I say my number one song. <laughs> I thought for sure like number one might be across the board or at least one or two might no. I don't know we'll see that's not happening number one's <laughs> gonna be something crappy for Sonny see <laughs> well, it's already starting I sense it yeah I sense it good for you the force is with me I feel the shittiness coming off of Sonny's uh, block his block I over mean, there you don't need the force to sense that <laughs> <laughs> down to our number two oh Joey <laughs> So earlier, I think you mentioned something about the ultimate summer song being Beautiful Girls, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I don't disagree with you. I, I just think it's about when you're young, you know, you associate songs with times in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think associating, especially to me, again, one of the reasons why I love the 5150 record, I associate it with the summer of 1986. And like I said, I was 12 years old, flying high. My dreams were, you know, higher than ever. And, you know, I loved everything about music and metal and rock and, you know, everything about songs at that time. Everything I wanted was 
right in front of me. And, you know, I partied with my friends and hanging out with my friends all summer long. And this song, every time I hear it, I think about that summer and hanging out with my friends and playing football and doing all that stuff. And it's the song Summer Nights. It just, to me, it's it's the ultimate, the album to me is really the ultimate summer album of all t- of all time for me. My favorite summer record of all time, 5150. And this song, not that it's my favorite song on the record, but it's the ultimate summer song. When I hear this song, not just because the word summer is in the title, but of course that helps. It just reminds me of being a kid, 12 years old, riding my bike. I could smell the summer air as soon as I hear that guitar if it just brings me back. And I mean, I think it's important to point out that it actually has summer in the title. So there's that. that. It helps. (laughs) I mean, listen, there are some great uh, Sammy Van Halen summer, Cabo Wabo, Summer Nights. I mean, both of those songs definitely say summer to me. Anyway, that's a good pick. I dig that tune. Love it. Love it. My number two is off the same album. And when people tell me, Sammy can't hold a candle to David Lee Roth. The songs completely changed. I hate all of those Van Hagar songs. I usually say, have you heard get up? Because I think you would really like it because it's very old Van Halen and he's singing places that David can't sing. You might even say it's a little bit of an upgrade, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, get up is my uh, number two. And man, Sammy rips on that song for sure. Maybe they would like that song more if you sold it without talking like this when you're trying to sell it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm just but saying. Even, when, I, when I do that, it <laughs> sounds a little nicer, like you're a big a-hole. See? <laughs> it does sound nicer. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I feel like you just complimented. Sonny doesn't have a face or voice for radio. <laughs> oh, Listen, none of us do. As long as you have turn, your face turned sideways, neither do you. Oh, damn. That's just all kinds of wrong right there. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, on to the number two. So my number two, I went back and forth with two songs that aren't on any of the regular Sammy Van Halen records. And I ended up on Human Being from Twister and the Van Halen Best Of Volume 1, whatever it is. I think it's on both of those records. Human Beings is a great song. It rocks. But what I went back and forth with is this song that's on the Best of Both Worlds. Have you guys heard the song Up for Breakfast? Love that song. Love it. I don't remember it. It's Oh, my God. Nobody, it's awesome. Nobody ever talks about it, but it's a kick-ass like riff uh, it's just a great song if you haven't if you're not familiar with van halen up for breakfast go check it out it's on that uh van halen best of both worlds and it's they had like i think three unreleased songs on that record with sammy and that was one of them and it's an awesome song up for breakfast yeah yep i gotta listen to it as soon as we're done but human beings ended up being my number two pick Again, a completely forgotten track. I know that's now that you said it, I know that song, but it completely was off my radar. I probably wouldn't have made my top five, but great pick. Yeah, great, great job. Yeah, I like the riff on that better than I like the vocal melody on that song. That, uh, that song is a little weird. I don't, you know what? I don't disagree with you. And that was one of the things I went back and forth is I don't necessarily love the melody, but the riff is so damn good. And there's also a bridge in there that I like so much. 
uh, as well. So that's why it ended up on my list. But yeah, I totally get your point on that one. All right. We got to get people to guess our number ones. So go for it. If you're listening, start guessing our number ones. How much time are we going to give them? Gonna, I don't think you're going to get any. Jesus. Oh, I mean, they might get mine. I don't know about yours. Yours I, yours is like a mystery right now. I'm, more, I'm a little worried. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, Sonny's is going to be something wimpy, ballady, I bet. I, can't, I mean, wimpy's okay, but the way he's talking, it's like, what the hell could it possibly be? <laughs> and seeing that's what I was trying to create. Joey, that's considered suspense. In the business, I thought you were in the business. What the hell? Yeah, but the problem is, I know you're you're, you're not going to live up to the hype. It's it's gonna it's gonna fall flat right on his face. Flat, yeah, flat, super flat, <laughs> so, not good, super flat. All right, we got some guesses coming. Nobody's saying what we got who, what they're guessing. Some people are guessing pound cake. Uh, some people are guessing Cabo, Wabo, best of both worlds, dreams. Uh, we already had summers night, summer nights. Somebody, Sammy's version of women in love. I don't think uh, that exists. <laughs> it's only suspense if anybody gives a shit. Thanks, Tone. Love you, asshole. All right, Joe, your number one pick, buddy. So my number one, and I know I'll probably catch flack for saying this. This, and it's not definite again. It probably might, it might change week to week, but this might be my favorite Van Halen song, period. Dave, Sammy, everybody. And it, it, again, I, I go back to the 5150 record. It's just such a magical record for me. Time of life. It brings me back to that summer. So when I hear this song, it just, it gives me chills. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Again, it's not hot for teacher. It's not one of those party songs, but it just gives me everything I want from a song. And, you know, someone guessed it. It's dreams. It's just to me, one of the ultimate songs, period. Whether it's Van Halen, the Beatles, Zeppelin, Kiss, whoever it is, it's just one of my favorite songs of all times. It's just a perfect song on all accounts. Magical how? Like it's got Merlin casting a spell or what? It's like, I feel like I'm <laughs> riding a unicorn with Sonny on the front on the horn. <laughs> and that thing is going straight down. <laughs> Unless that unicorn can handle 600 pounds, it is headed for the bottom. <laughs> I'm not even sure how he's riding the unicorn, but it can't be comfortable. I'm just picture, picture where the horn is. You know where it's going. <laughs> Uncomfortable. All right. So my number one, only one person guessed it. And it happens to me. My best friend guessed it because that's the only person that would know. It is my favorite Sammy Van Halen song. And it's one of my favorite Sammy songs, period. And it's off of OU812, finish what you started. I absolutely oh, that... love the no. groove of that song. Wow. And I know people give it a lot of hell, but I'm telling you, that song is beautiful. Wow. No, that's a great song. I mean, I'm, I'm, I i can't even think of what I'm picturing, but that's a great song. It almost <laughs> made my list. It was one of the songs that could have easily made my list, but that's not a wild pick, you goofy bastard. I love that song, <laughs> but that is a surprise that that's his favorite song. It is a surprise for me. He's never talked about that song as far as I know. Not on our our show, he hasn't. So You don't listen to me. Well, that's true. Uh, you got you me haven't there. listened to Joey. You repeated three things he said already. <laughs> I don't want to talk to either one of you guys. You guys are both idiots. <laughs> Why would I listen to either anything you guys said? Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get to mine. We, I see a lot of guesses for Man on a Mission off the F-U-C-K record. I love Man on a Mission. That's not my number one. 
as I said, I tried to spread my love out across because that's what I do. Spread my love. <laughs> I said I like to spread. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What kind of podcast? What, where, what are we on right now? What the hell did he, this just turn into? He's the one who's spreading, not me. <laughs> All right. Why don't we just sign off right there? All right. Listen, my number one pick, I think it was at number three for Sonny, but that's good enough off of 5150. I love good enough. That song kicks a lot of ass. It's the first song on the record, and I have a love for first song lead-off tracks, and that one does not disappoint. I love the riff in it. I love uh, Sammy's thing at the beginning. That's just a great song uh, off of 5150. That is my number one. Joey, see, you don't know. He's married to this beautiful woman named Jennifer, and he constantly uses the motto, ain't I just good enough? That's good enough, right? Good enough, right? <laughs> Poor Jennifer. She deserves better. I, I... Wow. What was she thinking? She married, she married down, huh? <laughs> oh God. Great. Again, great pick to me. 5150 to me with Van Halen one. And I know people think I'm crazy. They're neck and neck for me. They're so, so good in so many different ways. That's why I, I love when I heard you guys, you know, we were on a group text this week and you two morons were bantering back and forth, Sonny loving uh, Sammy and you loving Dave and, you know, I was I was laughing because I'm really in the middle. I love both. And and I think you can love both. And me loving Van Halen 1 and 5150 pretty much equally. You know, one day I might love Van Halen 1 more and I want to listen to it. One day I want to hear 5150 more. But both of those records are perfect records. Of course, records like our Fair Warning and Women and Children First and even Van Halen 2 are amazing records. But they're not perfect top to bottom, I think, like those two records. That's why I put those two above all the others. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think you can absolutely love both. And that goes across the board with any bands that's had different guitar players or singers or whatever. You can love it all. Uh, and that's fine. And I wasn't always that way with Sammy, but I do definitely treat it as two different bands. And I approach it as two different bands, also two different periods in my life. Uh, and I love both but I can't honestly say that I love both equally because sentimental-wise, the David Lee Roth era of Van Halen is what kicked my love for rock and roll into gear. So I, I'm going to gravitate towards that, you know, as you would with Kiss or whatever uh, you hold dear to your childhood, you know? I'm going to say a few things. Some you're going to love, some you're going to hate. Just go with it. People say David Lee Roth is the best front man ever. I completely disagree because there's two jobs for a front man. One is to entertain and one is to sing. And he doesn't do the second one well, in my opinion. He is a great entertainer. He is not the best front man ever. Is Sammy the better singer? Yes. Can you sell what Dave was doing? No. When they split up and Sammy joins Van Halen, and I love that era of Van Halen, I also love what David Lee Roth did with Yankee Rose because he introduced me to Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan. Right? So to me, I wasn't Van Halen wasn't my favorite band, so the split actually worked out better for me because I got to discover people I probably would not have discovered any other way, um, especially if Van Halen would have took on somebody that nobody knew and David Lee Roth takes on somebody that I'm not interested in, right? So uh, to me, in the end, it ends up being a win. I do like both eras. I prefer the Sammy era more. I like both eras of Kiss. I prefer 80s Kiss more. That's where I came in, and that's what I prefer. Um, but, you know, these are own. That's okay. There's space for everybody, right? 
I think it's the it's. I know there's maybe there's not a lot of Kiss fans out there, but there's it's the best way to describe these two bands like that. It's it's the perfect way to to marry marry the two of them together. I I I don't believe that Van Halen's music survives with Dave much longer after you know if, if maybe eighty maybe another album, but you know like just like Eat 'Em and Smile you know survived, but then just like Paradise really didn't, and you know I think. Van Halen changed at the perfect time. If they go two more records with Dave, I think they get lumped into that '80s hair bands, and and I think they're, they're you know they're dead once Nirvana comes. Whereas because Sammy came and the music completely took them out of that box, Van Halen was not in the Bon Jovi Poison era anymore. They were more like U2. They were in more of that vein of bands. They were in that genre more than the hair bands when Sammy came along and started pumping out all these singles. And I think if Dave stays, I think it's a sinking ship. I don't think that they can survive that, that storm of, you know, the guns and roses, Nirvana's Nirvana era. I don't think that they survive. So I think it, it happened at the right time, just like eighties kiss seventies kiss doesn't survive, you know, unless, you know, eighties kiss releases, lick it up and heaven's on fire. If they don't release those two songs, 80, 70s Kiss is dead. So it's the same way with Sammy Hagar. I think they don't live without Sammy Hagar Van Halen. So I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit, and here's why, and let me throw this in the mix. With 1984, they basically started down that pop path that you're talking about with Hagar with songs like Jump, their first number one hit of all time, which I, I hated Jump personally, but they had, you know, they had Jump, they had I'll Wait, so they had already kind of painted that path with 1984. So there's nothing that would indicate that they wouldn't continue to make another 1984 record and it would continue down that same path of pop. That's all I would say. Yeah, but without Sammy, I don't know if you sell it. Yeah, listen again. How do you couldn't have sold those songs? No way. It's all speculation, right? Obviously, yeah. but you know, I I think no matter what you can say is it's undeniable that Van Halen was a huge success with Sammy, and they reached heights that they didn't reach with Dave as far as record sales. So you know, obviously, you know, meaning number one number one records. I don't I don't mean total record sales, of course, but you know, it's a different band. So it's a different band, different time, different era. I think Eddie, Alex and Michael were different people at this point. They weren't the hot for teacher kids. They weren't Romeo's delight kids anymore. They weren't those type of players, songwriters, people anymore. They were getting more mature. They were, they were getting to be different people. And I think the Sammy era brought them that. You know, of course, do we still want to hear David Lee Roth songs? Of course we do. And that's why the reunion was such a huge success. But now it's a shame that that super successful era that Sammy Hagar, Hagar had with them, you don't see anymore. You don't get to hear those songs ever again. I mean, I know Sammy plays them a little bit here and there. Yeah, that live, sucks. But I want to see. I want to see another reunion with Sammy and Van Halen. I want to see that show again. I would love to see that as well. I, that is one of the worst things about that entire catalog is that it doesn't get to be played. So I, you know, my ultimate wish would be for Sammy and Dave both to tour and both to come out and do an hour, hour and a half set. That would be awesome. It'll never happen, but it would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to get it, but you know, when, when I played with Sammy, 
you know, he did all the Van Halen hits of his era. He did dreams. He did summer nights. And I was in the front row. I just played on that stage, you know, half an hour before I couldn't have been happier. I was, you know, back. I was that kid from 1986 in that summer, listening to 5150 on cassette on my boombox with my buddies. So hearing that stuff live in the fir- first row after getting a bottle of Cabo Wobble from Sammy, you know, is, was a dream come true for me. And, you know, it, 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 it was, it really summarized my fanhood of Van Halen. And there is deep love for these guys, whether it's Van Halen, whether it's Sammy, I'm telling you that, that birthday bash that I went to, they pack about three, 400 people in Cabo Wabo. And everybody knows every single word, every single melody to every Sammy Hagar song. It is a brotherhood when it's done like that. It made me feel like uh, similar to when I'm like at a Y&T show. Like it's a complete brotherhood. Everybody knows every, everything. And uh, so there's absolute love. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, good talk, guys. I think everybody makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not mad at anybody and uh, it's all good. Yeah, we, we, we bust balls and kid around, but... Uh, yeah, I think there's great music on both sides of the coin and, uh, yeah, that's it. It doesn't have to be one, one is better than the other, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the real Van Halen fanatics think that is true. I think that that is not true. I mean, I think they think you have to go one way or the other horseshit. You can like both. Yeah. Agreed. If you want to party, stick with the first six. If you want to get laid, you might want to start at 5150. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know about that i think there were plenty of women ready to to drop it for those first uh six records yeah something tells me that dave wasn't uh lacking any lady love back then yeah i don't think yeah, so but that guy don't look like dave that guy needs all the help he can get oh <laughs> uh, god interesting conversation good conversation guys dude pimp your stuff before we leave yep so again you can follow me on social media at Joey Casada across the platforms, J-O-E-Y-C-A-S-S-A-T-A. Sonny, the, the beautiful, handsome man that he is, is holding up my, my my book, Start With The Dream, A Drummer's Journey from Rock and Roll to TV to Broadway. You can get it on Amazon. You can get the audio book and hear this beautiful, beautiful voice on iTunes. Check it out. It's a fun story. It's, it's everything we just talked about. It's growing up in the 80s. I talk about 1986 with me and my friends listening to 5150 and then eventually going on tour with Kiss and opening for Sammy Hagar and getting to meet David Lee Roth through my TV show. And there's so many of these stories that are intertwined in my childhood. You know, the, the best comments that I've ever gotten, it's, it's, it's everyone can relate to something in the book, whether it's me growing up in the 80s, going to Catholic school, being in shitty bands, driving in a van. It's all about growing up a music fan and or a musician. It's a fun read. It's an easy read. Even guys like Sonny can do it. You can do it. Go buy it. <laughs> so listen, in an effort to give uh, people a little bit of entertainment, we had a good time doing this, and that was the only goal is just uh, really just have a good time, give people a little bit extra something to do on Sunday night. We'll do this every once in a while. It's not going to be – we're not doing this every week. And we'll try to have somebody interesting on every so often. Maybe Joey will be back. Maybe we'll have somebody else on. It's all good. But um, thanks for watching. Thanks for enjoying. Uh, This was a good time. It was a great topic. We'll always try to come up with a good topic. And uh, this was certainly one of them. Sonny, you want to add anything to that? No, thanks for watching. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, we will catch you soon. Joey, anything else before we go? 
guys, thanks for having me. Really, it's always fun. I, I love the podcast. I listen to it all the time. You're both, you know, you're both half idiots, but equally, you know, you're together. You are a full idiot. You're a full. So, <laughs> so it, it, you're you're the perfect marriage. So it's a great podcast. Everyone who doesn't listen, please tune in. It's so much fun. Every week, you guys come up with something new. It's not always about the topic. It's about the camaraderie, the ball busting. It's always a good time. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, and between us, we make one and a half idiots. So it's awesome. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes. Don't call Sonny. Why? Uh, Sonny's not that big. Don't talk to him like that. <laughs> Peace, people. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. make sure you subscribe to our podcast growing up rock and leave us a review on itunes give us a like and leave us a comment on facebook at growing up rock it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 